Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. So welcome everyone. And today is a special episode because we have double our pleasure today. This is going to be a first with having two guests, uh, Sandrine and Krista. And I'd like uh, to have them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about themselves and why they became a teacher. So I'm Sandrine, Sandrine Hope. I'm a French professor at currently Davidson University. And um, what else did you ask me? Wow. Why did you become a teacher? Why I became a teacher? Okay, that one is a tough one because I never wanted to be a teacher. I actually fought it with all my core being. And as a French native, when I came to the U.S., you know, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I was having different jobs and people were like, oh, you're French, you should be a French teacher. And I was like, uh, I was an English student and I remember trying to learn English and I didn't like it and I was not a good student. And no, I don't want to do that to myself. And then, um, and it's funny because that was on the foothill of Krista, actually, where she taught some elementary school because our kids went to the same school. She did Spanish. Well, the following year, I did French for the whole school and discovered that I actually loved doing it. And so I looked into it. I was going back to school and I had too many classes to go back and actually be certified K through 12. And I thought, well, elementary school would be fun but it's, I was living in Alabama and I thought I'll never have a job. So I went for the other one, which is university level teaching. That's my thing, my story. And here you are. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So I'm Krista Chambliss and I am a language professor at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. I teach primarily Spanish, but I can teach some French and I also teach um, the world language methods course for the school of education and then on occasion i get to teach a foreign cultures course which is actually one of my favorite courses to teach why i became a teacher well i actually come from a a long line of teachers my great grandmother was a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in rural alabama and then both of her daughters were school teachers and my aunt Janice was a school teacher. I mean, we just, that's just kind of what we do in my family. And so I knew that I wanted to be a teacher just from the time I was little, little, but I thought, well, what am I going to teach? Because, you know, I, I didn't really know. Um, I knew that no one would want me to teach math or science because, you know, that's, <laughs> well, two plus two is about as good as it gets with me in math and you know science is icky when you have to dissect you know those poor little dead animals so 
Um, I couldn't wait till to take French in high school because in the third grade, just like Sandrine was talking about, we had uh, one of my classmates' moms who came in in the third grade and taught us some simple French. And I fell in love with that. I thought it was the coolest thing. So when I got to high school, I took French. And I was like, this is awesome. So I went to the university and I'm like, I'm gonna be a French teacher, I've decided. And um, back then, because you know, <clears throat> I'm a little older than you know, people these days, you had to be certified to teach two different areas. So I knew I had French and I thought, well, there's no you know, math, no science. History, I mean, I hate to say it, it's very cliche and you can edit this if you want to, but um, most of the time football coaches are the history teachers. So I knew I wouldn't get a job. And English, well, I mean, everybody speaks English. Why would I want to teach that? So I took Spanish class and it was really fun too. So I thought, excellent, I'll just do both of the languages. Why not? So I did and I actually, <laughs> I actually had a horrible, horrible experience with my student teaching. And I told my dad, you know, that semester said, Daddy, I know I've spent four and a half years basically triple majoring in, you know, Spanish, French, and education, but I hate teaching. <laughs> it was so awful. I cried. I lost 15 pounds. It was terrible. And so he said, that's okay. Just go to graduate school. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went to graduate school and I, in, in romance languages, and I taught Spanish as a graduate teaching assistant. And when I had my own room and I could do what I wanted to do, I realized this is super cool. I do like teaching. So I graduated with my master's and went into public education and I taught elementary school in a magnet program for three years. And then I went to a private school and taught K-12 for a while. And then I went back for my PhD and now I'm at the university. So that was probably more than you wanted to know, but you know, I like to talk, which is another reason why I learned languages because now I can talk to three times as many people that's that's true that's very true you know it's really interesting in talking to the different people that I have for the podcast I asked that question why did you become a teacher and when I it's kind of blowing my theory out of the water about having a calling you know like we're called you know from the beyond to become <laughs> teachers and stuff and what I found is that either people fall into it, you know, they just, they never were going to become a teacher or it's a long history of family being teachers and kind of a tradition or in their blood or that sort of thing. It's really interesting mm -hmm. to see. Well, and my, my brother was a teacher too. He is, he was a teacher and now he's a principal. So yeah, we have a, a dear friend. She's since passed away. She took care of my older, my younger daughter um, she's from Coleman, Alabama, and her family is all teachers. They have six children. They all are in teaching. It was a, a family thing. So, mm -hmm. um, And on but, my hand, the closest teacher in my family is my grandmother's brother and his wife, who were elementary school teachers. But we didn't live anywhere close, so I saw them like three times my whole life. But that's it. Yeah, I'm the only teacher that I know of and, you know, and I'm the only one that graduated from college in my family. So, mm -hmm. but now my daughter, both of my daughters teach. Uh, so, so how did you two lovely ladies meet? 
Well, we, we actually met um, because our kids were in the same school because mm -hmm. um, she lived in Alabama and our boys are the same age and they were in the same class and we would see each other at the swimming pool in the summers and all that stuff. So, and we carpooled and all of that. And so for the longest time, she did not know that I spoke French. I didn't know she spoke languages. I knew she knew a lot about other countries because we would have those lovely conversations about other cultures. And there was another mom who was German who would often join into our conversation. And it was fascinating because, you know, European, she's European, and then Krista knew a lot. So we had fabulous conversations. And I was like, it is so nice to have somebody who understands about other cultures. I didn't know she spoke any of the other languages. <laughs> and then she started out of the blue telling me in summer one one summer about how she was doing summer camp um with the university and then doing spanish at the elementary school i'm like oh okay then she speaks spanish yeah but i did not speak french with her and she and i laugh about this and i pick at her all the time because you know french was my first love right i, I had just said that and so but when I got to the university, I encountered some of the worst experiences, <clears throat> I guess we'll say. Um, I mean, harsh, just, you know, I speak, like I went to France and they're like, I speak English. And, you know, one of my professors actually told, told me, said, you speak French like a Spanish cow. She oh, told dear. me that. <laughs> In yeah. front of do, you know the, do you know the French expression like that? Yeah, it was a huge insult. And she told me that in front of the whole class. Mm -hmm. And so I was devastated, but I, you know, but it goes back to show you that that first experience, I mean, I still liked French, even though I had all these horrible people. I went to France. It was a terrible experience. I mean, I could not wait to get home. And I have such anxiety about speaking with native speakers that I mean, I could speak French with my students, with other non-native French people all day long. It didn't bother me. And I actually went to Quebec and they were so lovely. I spoke French up there. It was, it was wonderful, but um, I wouldn't do it with a native French speaker because they always corrected me. They were overly harsh and they're like, how long have you been studying French? And so I would not speak French with Sandrine for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, so she had never told me, but then one summer, so, you know, like she mentioned, because then my neighborhood had a pool and they allowed other people to come in. And so we were chatting and she goes, hey, so with my thing, I'm part of an immersion program and um, we do French, Spanish and German. And every year we have a native speaker come and the French native speaker we've had can't come for whatever reason. Was she pregnant? Something. Anyway. She couldn't come anymore. And so she's like, would you be your native speaker? All you have to do is just come for the weekend and just hang out. And I was like, I guess, I mean, you know, why not? Well, I had to do a little bit more than show up and be pretty, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did show up and I was charming. And then Krista came and she was like, oh, well, I'll be with you at the French house. I think that's when I discovered you actually spoke French. Mm-hmm. And she had to speak French to me then because we didn't have, we couldn't speak English. So it she was had a nerve wracking weekend for me. And uh, 
and the rest is history because that was our first collaboration and we have not stopped then. Well, and it's interesting because that immersion program is called WILD, Weekend Immersed in Language Development. It's our WILD weekend. So yeah, so I, I've dragged Sandrine into quite a few um, things. WILD was the first thing. And what's interesting now is that she and I are actually the co-directors of the program. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you two collaborate on so many things together. I mean, you really like to me, you know, the poster teachers for collaboration and really good role models for other people. And I know that you have started a podcast mm -hmm. together. And can, can you tell us a little more about your podcast and what your... I dragged her into it. Yeah, that, that was, was payback. That was the first, right? <laughs> That's payback right there. Um, no, yeah. So I... You know, it's interesting how life will take you places because had my husband not decided that his career was dragging him to South Carolina, uh, I probably would not have started listening to podcasts because to me, podcast was the equivalent of books on tapes. And I tried books on tapes years and years and years ago. And either I fall asleep or I completely lose track of it. And then it's like, oh, I haven't been listening in the last 20 minutes and I have no idea what's going on into the story. But with him having to do the, um, the traveling back and forth, because I stayed in Alabama for a year behind him, he discovered that you know listening to music gets a little bit boring on a six and a half to seven hour trip. So he started listening to some podcasts and one in particular. And then he was like, oh, you should listen to it. They're a little bit chatty, but <laughs> when they get to it, it's kind of fun. So on one of our trips together, I listened to it and actually got hooked. And I listened to nothing else but podcasts in the car now. I don't even listen to music anymore, which I guess is kind of sad in a way, but I much rather do podcasts. And on the way to Wild, oh wait, there's a full circle there. On the way to Wild last year, as I was listening to it, I thought, you know, it'd be pretty cool to do a podcast of my own, but what would I do it about? And I thought, what do I know? Well, I know French, but there's a million of them out there. And I don't know that I'd have anything new to add to what's being done. And I thought, I know about teaching French or teaching languages. And I thought one person's gonna be boring I don't want to do guests because then you have to find people and it can be difficult, right? Depending on what you're looking at, especially since we were focusing, I was thinking, focusing on language teaching. And I thought, so I need a co-host. Let me think, Krista. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have, it didn't take long to think about it. And so I saw her at Wild and we were catching up because we hadn't seen each other in a while. And I said, okay, I have an idea. We, we have to do this. And she looked at me like I was, a little bit crazy, but she was like, okay. And I said, okay, we need to do some research a little bit more about it, but here is what I'm thinking. And maybe we can do this. And here is our timeline onto it. And she was like, okay. So, you know, I had to drag her a little bit along, but she, she was game. So, yeah. So That's tell us your podcast name and how we can find it. Okay, so it is called Step Into Mondays. Um, you know, we batted around a lot of ideas and we decided we wanted to key in on Monday because Monday is the hardest day of the week. <laughs> but we want them to step into Monday with something new and exciting. So, um, yeah, it's on all of the major um, 
you know, Apple podcast and anchor and just anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're on Twitter at into Mondays and we have a website, step into Mondays.com slash WordPress. And so we try to, of course, have a new episode every Monday <laughs> and kind of one of the, one of the things too, that I think kind of inspired this is like you said, we, we've collaborated a lot. So wild was our first collaboration. So then of course, as she said, I drag her into things. I'm like, Hey, you need to present with me, come to actful with me and present. And she's like, um, okay, what am I getting myself into? Come to Allah and present, come to sculpt. I drug her all over the place to present with me. And so we would always ride together because we, you know, just lived my, a few miles apart and we had the best discussions in the car. And one of us would have to take notes because we were just, oh yeah, we could do this and we could do this. And we were just writing down everything. And we would, we planned our proficiency unit um, while we were driving to a conference. We planned wild when we were driving to a conference. I mean, we just, that kind of inspired it. And she thought, you know, we should really record our brains at work. And so that's kind of what our podcast is where we, we brainstorm, like we wanted to revise our proficiency unit. So one of the podcasts is, okay, let's look at this and how can we make it better? And you've got to have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. Like you said, to... PFF. Exactly. You know, there, there's a, there's a lot of value to that. I know when mm -hmm. I, retired and my husband was like why do you want to keep going to conferences and i'm like because i have a network of pff and mm -hmm. they they fill you up and they lift you up and mm -hmm. you can you feed off from each other and have a lot they to do. contribute and then in our case you know like krista said she has the the pedagogy because that's her background mine is um literature now, when I started teaching at the university, because I knew I was going university, you know, I could do everything on my major and then take a few things that whatever I wanted, they didn't care. And I thought, well, technically you cannot double major on a, or have a minor on a PhD, but I wanted to know more. So anything that was not required in French, I took in and on language acquisition, but that is just tiny compared to stuff. So a lot of our conversations too might have been into Krista talking about it going, oh man, I've been looking into the IPA. I'm like, what's an IPA? <laughs> and it's like kind of going into it and talking about it. And so from our conversation with my lack of knowledge and her explaining, and so then, oh, well, how would it look in the classroom? What would you do? I learned a lot. I mean, I say it and my first, I get, no, it wasn't my first scold. It was my second scold. I went and was able to talk to some people and I said, well, you know, mentorship is super important. And I have had two big mentors in my life. One is um, Dr. Isabel Drevolo at UA because she started me um, in my master's. I was not, a, I was not on the GTA program. I had a different scholarship, but I said, I want to be in the classroom and see how it happens. And she said, come and observe me and we'll talk about it. So after every class, I talked to her about what she was doing and why she was doing it. So I learned a lot. And then from there, many more years of you know, work with Krista, I learned so much 
And so part of that too was in conferences coming back and talking about it going, but how would this look like in the classroom? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, actual talks about the high leverage practices, but how do you make it look like in the classroom? How do you use that? And, you know, all of those elements coming together and some of the, the professional developments that we've done, putting it together too, that was, that's where it was like, that's where we have it, but it's not happening, you know, by just planning it ahead. It's happening by us talking just like, yeah, like she said, reproducing our conversations in the car. Cause in the car, you're in there for hours together. So mm-hmm. there's only so much you can talk about husband and kids and complain about them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. And, and also you said earlier too, your podcast is not just for language teachers. There are a lot of topics that are just about teaching in general and mm-hmm. Well, we our whole series we did on backward design can apply to any uh, subject that is being taught because it's backward design. You're doing it for any topic. It works the same way. We're just illustrating it with languages, but anybody could do that. That is so funny. We talked about this yesterday. We had a, a virtual coffee hour for the Alabama World Language Association, and she was like, I was thinking exactly what was coming out of your mouth and I was just about to say oh our backward design series and there you said it I mean it, it's crazy sometimes how how we do that I mean it really is working a lot together we've gotten in sync a lot and it's funny because even though now we're two states away from each other uh seven hours um you know travel time and we don't talk every day. I guess we used to talk a little bit more when we were closer, but we're still on the same thing. I'll get something. She'll send me a text. And I was like, oh, well, I was about to ask you about that. <laughs> and, and it's really what you were saying, the PFF, you need, everybody needs to have one of those. And I think that's why, honestly, your state language associations are so important. You, you need to at least join that one and find somebody because especially you know, in Alabama, I know there are some poor teachers out there. They're the only teacher in their school, Mm -hmm. you know, and they need somebody. And so hopefully the state organization can help you find that colleague. But I mean, we were just, you know, talking about, you know, last week I was really frustrated with um, my class. I'm like, I don't understand why they're not prepared. I told them they need to do this, 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 this. So she shoots me a document. Look, I've got this course prep. I mean, this class prep document. Why don't you try it? I was like, oh, cool. So, you know, I tried it. The students loved it. She's like, you know, they're saying I don't end my class on time, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, well, you know what, why don't you say, okay, so class is officially over, but if you've got questions, I'm going to hang around and we can talk. And so she's done that and that works. So, you know, we, we're constantly texting each other going, I don't know how to solve this issue. And so, you know, sometimes we can solve it over text and sometimes we just call each other, you know, it just depends, but you need somebody like that, that you can bounce ideas off of. And teachers, uh, you know, something I found in the podcast too, is that teachers are lifelong learners and they want their students to be lifelong learners. And that's wonderful. And I think that's why we go to conferences and we always want to learn and, you know, grow our craft and our practices. But it is in the same light because of, and I, we talked a little bit about how at the university level, it would be even a little more intense, the competition, the professional jealousy, 
uh, not wanting to share any melts because I know for me, when I first started sharing things, when it was criticized or judged or the teacher would try to implement that lesson plan and then come back to me and say, well, that just didn't work. That just, that sucked, you know, and, and I hurt and it makes you a little bit reluctant to share. So can you, you talk about professional jealousy or how do you share? How do you collaborate with someone? How do you make that connection? Uh, that doesn't bring about that sort of behavior or situation or can it be avoided or is it just personality? I've avoided it, but that's because I haven't been anywhere long enough. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's funny because Krista and I are the same age, although she's older than me by a few months, by three months. You are. You're my elder. I give you respect. Oh, yeah. I'm your woman of light. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we can't give that secret away. Okay. <laughs> She's also my conference wife, but we don't talk about that either. <laughs> yes, yes. I have friends that have been like, I've slept around with more people at conferences than my husband. You know? See, it takes a teacher to understand the joke, right? Mm-hmm. But um, no, but see, I started because I'm a non-traditional student because I was in France that I came here to the U.S. and was going back to school to get a degree, but I was working. So I was doing it part-time. Then I had kids, so I stayed home. And then I went back. So... I've only had my PhD for four years. So I'm really at the beginning of my career where we're the same age and Krista's got a lot more years on me. So I did my, you know, my teaching, my GTA at UA. Then I did UAB for about a year and a half. Well, two years because I was part-time, then I was full-time. And now here I am for two years. So I haven't been anywhere long enough for or to notice that anybody's like oh my gosh she's doing this and whatever and whatever which is nice i guess in that Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. um because that pressure is not there but yeah our colleagues can be kind of petty yeah i i I personally think that it's worse you know i've taught k-12 and i've taught higher ed and i definitely think the jealousy issue um goes more you have more of that in higher ed i i from my experience um some of it you know it just depends um i was the only elementary teacher in my school doing language so there was nobody to be jealous you know kind of thing but um at the university level i think some of it and this is you know i I have no psychology degree or anything that i think a lot of times it comes from the insecurity of the other person I mean, they're jealous because they're like, well, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I do this? Or, you know, I just think there's a lot of insecurity. Um, Because I know it, um, you know, there are colleagues in higher ed who make a big deal about whether you have a master's or a PhD. And that person just has a master's. They can't come observe and evaluate my teaching. Well, yeah, because a good teacher is a good teacher. And quite frankly, I've observed some master level teachers who were awesome and that I have learned so much from. And then I go to a PhD class to observe and it's a snooze fest. So, <laughs> you know, 
Um, I think there's a lot of that too. And to me, the people who want to lord their PhD over other people, again, I think that comes from a place of insecurity. Personally. I think there is that, and there is also academia is such on, you know, all the lines you can get on your CV. Mm -hmm. So you can get to the glory because that's kind of how you get to those being recognized a little bit better. That's how the importance is. So if you do something, I think there is the question of, well, will that end up on their CV? And how much better would it look what they have from what I have, mm -hmm. you know? So there is a little bit of that because there is, I, I, I don't feel like academia is centered on teaching like it should. It's more centered on what else are we doing research-wise. Yes, that's very true. And so there is a, pre, uh, depending on what type of university you're in, you've got that pressure to publish. And so a lot of, a lot of people put their, their energy into publishing because that's what's going to get them tenure. And, you know, teaching is just something they have to do so that they can research. Then you have others who do both equally well, um, you know, but um, I have, I have been around, yeah, the petty, um, you know, professional jealousy kind of thing. And you also have to deal with a lot of times conflicting teaching philosophies, you know, that, and that is very difficult as well. Um, and so, you know, trying to teach the way that you know you're supposed to teach, the proficiency-based approach, because you know all the second language acquisition, you know, theories, and you know all of the methodologies, and you're familiar with the, you know, the actual standards and, and all of that, and then you encounter other people who are like, no, we should do choral chanting, and we should be doing, you know, fill-in-the-blank grammar, and, and you're just cringing and so it's really hard to to approach them with okay you know maybe we should re-examine the teaching philosophy of teaching beliefs things like that because they feel like you're personally attacking them and it's like no i'm not you're you know you are an expert in this particular time in literature and you know i couldn't even tell you about that but I am an expert in how languages are learned and taught, you know, so let's, but it's not always looked at that way. And so, um, you know, I think it is a little tougher, but me, I don't know. I mean, Sandrine and I, I think some of it has to do with your personality. We share stuff all the time. And we bounce stuff of each other. One oh, will yeah. do, the other one will pick up, we'll do one thing for the other. I mean, we did some videos for Krista last year. They're in Spanish. Yeah. We did them. I have no issue because I know if I need it, she'll do the same for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes down to that, um, I think too, you know, and I don't think that the jealousy is necessarily in just in higher ed. But I think sometimes people in society kind of forget that if somebody rises up, they can carry me along with it. They think I'm going to stay further back and that's scary. Mm -hmm. So it's not, like you said, it goes back to that insecurity, but um, of, of not being able to follow maybe along the line where, you know, if somebody rises, if we work together, then we're making it all better. But and it's I easy to miss that. I think social media has not helped that either. 
um, you know, we saw that a lot. Um, and that's why I wanted our, our, our very first podcast is called cut yourself some slack mm-hmm. because we kept seeing these poor teachers who felt so defeated because they were looking at the Facebook and Twitter feeds of all the quote, super teachers, you know, and, um, you know, we we're like, Hey, everybody's at a different place in their life. Right. And, you know, some of these super teachers may be on their first or second year, they don't have children, you know, they don't have other outside obligations that they can put 110%. Whereas you may be at a point in your life where you've got three small children at home that need a lot of attention. And so you have to, um, you know, you can't compare yourself to someone else. I think that too is where the, a lot of times jealousy comes from. Um, and then sometimes, yeah, you start feeling bad because like, wow, she sent postcards to all hundred and something students of hers. I'm like, I don't have the money for that because I have two boys in college. I, you know, I mean, there are just all sorts of things that you have to consider. And so, you know, jealousy, I think sometimes comes from trying to compare yourself to, and you have to do you. And, um, I don't know. I've just always been one of those open sharing people. And it's kind of funny because I'm now um, coordinating the introductory um, Spanish program at my university. So I've built all of these quizzes and all of these, made all these videos and all of this stuff. And I just put it in the course and I share it with everybody who's teaching 101, 102. And, you know, they're all like, I can't believe you're giving us this. I can't believe you're sharing this. And I'm like, why not? I mean, I did, I did this work, just make sure everybody's getting a very similar experience and it kind of boggles their mind, but I don't know. I just feel like, Hey, I've created this. If it makes your life easier, why not? Why reinvent the wheel? I mean, that's the thing for me. I think I can learn something from anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I, I believe, and, and people find it really odd. I have a dear, dear friend. I mean, we've been friends for almost 30 years and she didn't go to college and I have a PhD and she's like, how, you know, people ask us, how are you guys friends? And quite frankly, it offends me <laughs> when they ask that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, you know, she may not have a college education, but she's brilliant in so many ways. I mean, she can look at something and go cut out a pattern and sew it. And I'm like, how (laughs) you know because I I can't so anything and so I think that some of that is just that mentality because I think I can learn I learn from my students I mean you can learn from anybody but you know like and it stays in that role especially you look at that and I think maybe as teachers too we have our rankings right so you have your professor that's very a title and I've always seen professors somebody with a PhD as a stuffy old person. And then I was like, oh, wow, Krista has a PhD. If she has a PhD, really? Wow. I never would have been able to tell. And then there was somebody else in our realm that from you talking to that person, I realized, well, that person has a PhD too. I never would have been able to tell, you know, and, and again, uh, Isabel Dravelo, who was my, my mentor in college, she had a PhD and she was very, you know, approachable and everything. And I thought, okay, so not all PhD people are just pompous blanks. And, (laughs) and so, you know, that was, that was something that, that kind of, I didn't realize, but my interaction, what I had seen of it. So we have our ranks, you have the 
college professor, right, who is the person, and we've had colleagues like that, right? Oh, well, students cannot get in the elevator with me because I'm a professor. That's not acceptable, right? That type of thing. And then you have your high school teacher because, oh, they're teaching high school, so they must be better, you know? And so you kind of have those rankings that comes in that. And so I think that's where, like, where does the retired person fall to these people? Mm -hmm. And it's not there. You can, like Krista said, you can learn from anything. I learned from my students too. Uh, I mean, I do every once in a while, I do a literature class and I have questions for them. I have an idea, obviously, as to what I'm thinking when I'm asking them the question. But sometimes they'll tell me something. I'm like, well, you're right. I missed it. You know, yesterday we're looking at a picture. There was a couple and they were both dressed in red. And one of said, it's kind of like the devil. I was like, you're right. Red is associated with the devil. I didn't think about it. There were other things I thought about that were associated with that. So we, we can learn from other people. But, you know, you, you have those, those, I guess, I don't know that it's stereotypes, but so much as you preset IDs, mm -hmm. um, words are missing me there. So feel the free preconceived to- Preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, ladies, I hate to- wrap this up but like we said at the beginning we could talk for hours and hours and we have before so, <laughs> so that's collaboration real collaboration so I just want to ask each of you to um, kind of tell me what your advice would be to other teachers to try to build the community you use that word before we started the podcast on and i really have grown to be i've been doing a lot of presentations conferences on community and building community because it's just that spirit of teaching like my website and we're all in this together and we're supporting each other and it's just going to get better when i reach out my hand and you know give it to someone else to lift them up and then when i'm face planted i hope that they're going to reach out and lend me a hand and help me out and that's how how things work you know life works we have to help each other so um Sandrine would you like to say what you would advise teachers to sure. try to do try to collaborate and build that I think the first thing to well, remember is community is not necessarily just in your backyard Krista and I lucked out because we were in the same circle and so we were kind of pushed together a lot. And I mean, you know, God must have thought, my gosh, take the hint, ladies. I'm trying to get you to, to communicate. Huh? How much more do I need to put you together? But you can, you can have community. You can build it by other means. And um, we have social media, which can be great. So you can reach out to somebody or reach out or have something and see who reaches out to you get in touch with that person and then see maybe you hit it off maybe not it's kind of like dating in a way um actful with their mentorship program you know um and some other local um, associations will have mentorship program that's a great way to develop your community to get you on the path with somebody to work with you. And then maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I mean, I've done the mentorship twice as a mentee. It bombed every time. 
I'm trying it as a mentor this year. We'll see if it works out or not. Um, but you have to be willing to give as much as receive. So it's a, not like a marriage, but you do have to be willing to, to take the time, be there for the other. And it's not just, oh, let's cooperate on that professional work. Sometimes it's just being there for the person with advice. I'm having a tough time with this. Well, let me tell you what I've done in the past because I've had that and that kind of thing. So yeah, my advice with that would be, you know, to find the person, don't just look necessarily in your school, don't limit yourself to your topic. So I teach French. Krista teaches mainly Spanish, yet we work together on a lot of stuff. That never stopped us. So I think that, um, I think everything she said was right, but I think too that a lot of times um, teachers feel that they don't necessarily have anything to contribute. You know, mm -hmm. um, we've seen that so much when we're trying to get conference proposals, you know, um, especially at the state level. And they're like, nobody want to hear me. I'm like, are you kidding? That's a fabulous idea. You should present it. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes. So a lot of times I think it's a confidence issue. The teachers don't think that they have anything to offer anyone. And, and that's wrong because we all can offer an ear, right? And we can all offer some encouragement. Um, and so I think that that's what we need to, to realize. So, yeah, and it, not just necessarily in your school and not necessarily even with like-minded people. I mean, Sandrine and I disagree about a lot of things. I was about to say that. <laughs> I mean, we, we disagree and we've actually said we should take a picture and put, you know, we disagree about this, but we're still friends, you know, kind of thing. Because this, this day and time, people think, well, I can't be a friend with you if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat or, you know, whatever, you can't, you can't be friends. And, um, you know, that's simply not true. I think it makes the debate richer and it makes the sharing of ideas even better. So, you know, you don't have to look for the quote, like-minded individual and just remember that you have something that you can offer someone. And I know it's really, really scary to reach out and offer it because, hey, they may go, um, no thanks. But you tried. And, and, and eventually, if you keep doing it, you're going to find someone. You're going to find that someone who is like, wow, I really needed that. And, you know, and then it's just going to be like that and like Sandrine and me, I think. Well, Sandrine, you said it's like a marriage, but maybe it is like dating. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, you're very vulnerable to reach out and to share or to ask someone else for advice. And, and relationships yeah. are hard. Well, and rejection is hard because like Krista said, you might reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'm working on something like that. Maybe we should work together. And the person's going to say, yeah, sure, but not really mean it. And I'm sure I've done that before. I'm sure I've come across people that were like, oh, you have this. That's a great idea. We should work on, to, on it together. And at the time, I thought, I don't, I don't feel you. You know, I don't have that, that hook or whatever. And maybe I'm not at a place where I have the time for this. Or, you know, and sometimes you can feel it, right? Sometimes you feel like, well, that person, they're wanting to work with me, but they're wanting to get stuff out of me more than they have to offer to me. And so 
you know, and maybe sometimes it's not the case, but that's how it's felt. So you have rejection and you have to face rejection, which nobody wants to be rejected because it's, it's hard. But I think you said that earlier about being uncomfortable. And one thing I tell it to my students and that's kind of how I live life a little bit. And the first person I heard saying it, I don't know if she's the first one to have said it, but it's Jillian Michaels, you know, who used to do Biggest Loser. And she used to say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's how we grow. It doesn't matter what it is that we do. If we're trying to lose weight, to eat better, to learn something, we're going to have to get uncomfortable before we can get there. And I know if, I start getting comfortable in something, that's when it goes to pots. Mm -hmm. So I have to stay in that uncomfortable zone to keep going. So that's part of that in that growing to put yourself out there and go, hey, you know, let's, let's work together. I'm doing this, you're doing that. Maybe that would work out. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you give it a shot and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot work with this person because personality wise, maybe it doesn't mesh up. But like Krista says, you don't have to have the same personality. You don't have to have the same ideas. I think that's where we learn so much more. I'm stronger in the literature. She mm -hmm. is much stronger in the pedagogy. We meet in the middle mm -hmm. uh, and on working on things. So um, it's great to have your PFF. Uh, absolutely. So um, I would strongly recommend finding somebody that you just click with. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree very much so. So ladies, this has been wonderful. I want to remind everyone about Step Into Mondays. And you want to give your website address again, please? Stepintomondays.com slash WordPress. Okay, perfect. Everybody check it out. I have subscribed to your podcast. I listen to it on my walks and get inspired and laugh a lot. And <laughs> You, yeah, we do you, you do you do play off each other quite well so it's a good it's a good um it's a good listen it's a great lesson so i recommend it to everyone well thank you so. we enjoyed yours as well mm. well thank you i hope it's spreading some spirit and lifting some people up and also i hope people start listening to it that aren't teachers so that they can get an idea of what it's mm -hmm. really like to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. The world is a totally different world. I think a lot of people are learning from it right now. And you see it a lot more. I'm seeing a lot more of it. Um, I saw on Twitter the other day, somebody who was tweeting said, my child's teacher just posted something. It is 1030. Take a break, stop. Go to bed or go watch a movie or do something for yourself, please stop. And that was a parent. I don't think you would have heard that a year ago. No, no. So there's hope. We can only hope. Mm -hmm. But thank you again, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.